Flea and I can be here. We're honored to serve you. You have a copy of the Word of God. Would you find Acts chapter 16? Start in the book of Acts in the 16th chapter. And we're also going to a moment just to refer to Joshua 24 as well. Acts 16. I'm happy to be here. Hope you are. Pastor said you're always out by two. Is that right? And uh, so plenty of time. So get comfortable. We're glad you're here and happy to serve you guys. I enjoyed the, the couple's retreat. It's a real special privilege to serve you guys there. And uh, it was a wonderful retreat. We enjoyed it very much. Enjoyed getting to know y'all and being a part of your marriages and also glad now to be a part of your church. What a blessing it is. Bethany and I have been married uh, 30 years and we've been on the road all 30 of those. We went on our honeymoon for eight days and literally went straight to work traveling and have been traveling ever since. God's led us minister in 48 states so far, and God's been so good to us, and we're just super blessed, thankful to be here. We do have five kiddos, and uh, uh, most of them are grown. My three older ones are married, and they're all serving the Lord in different ministries around the country today. My Jacob, he's uh, in Bible college, and he's actually serving today in our home church. He's part of the music team today at our church at home in Florida, and our daughter Charity is there with him. She's 15 years old, and we're just really blessed. God's been so good to me. I'm a happy man and a blessed man. I hope you're glad to be here this morning. I know there's needs in your life and things we wouldn't even know about, but I'm so glad we're in church together and the Word of God can strengthen us, encourage us, direct us, and correct us if we need it. And so thank you for being here today. You got your Bible ready? Acts 16. And what we talked about in the Sunday School Hour, we're going to continue the idea in this hour. I did a little series kind of from Sunday morning to Sunday night, but I've entitled today's teachings, God's Plan for You and Your Family. God's plans for you and your family. And I'm interested in this passage this morning. It's a story all of us know. I'd like to read the whole chapter if I had time, but I don't. It's 40 verses in Acts 16. But you know probably all that's going on here if you've been in church much at all. It starts out with Timothy joining Paul and Silas. It moves over to Paul having the Macedonian vision. And then we read about a lady named Lydia who's converted and baptized. How many of you have heard that story before, have you? The story of Lydia. She got saved. She was baptized. And it's interesting, in the 15th verse, in the 15th verse, Lydia got baptized, and the Bible does add one statement there, verse 15, and when she was baptized and her, catch this little phrase, her household, she besought us, saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And then verse 16 picks up the story of what we commonly refer to as the Philippian jailer. But it starts with the story of a little girl, a young lady who we think is a slave, and she is demon-possessed, and her masters are taking advantage of her possession. Verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation." And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And then here begins uh, really the beginning of the story I'm wanting to emphasize this morning. Verse 19, when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, 
And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Be honest, don't you love verse 25? Be honest, don't you love verse 25? What do you do when everything's wrong? Well, there's two things you can always do, pray and sing. And we don't know what else to do, do some praying and do some singing. Praying and singing changes everything. If you don't know that, write that down. Pray and sing, pray and sing, pray and sing, pray and sing. James repeats that in chapter 5. Did you know it? When he says, if you're afflicted, what do you do? You remember that verse? If, if any man among you is afflicted, let him pray. And he says, any Mary, let him sing psalms. Those aren't mutually exclusive. You can do those simultaneously. In the midst of afflictions, we pray, but our heart's also happy because we know the end of the story. We know that God's in charge. We know that he's the ruler of the universe, and he's even in charge of our lives. Y'all believe that or not? Are y'all with me on that? And so here it is. He, they, they prayed and sang praises, and the prisoners heard them. Now verse 26, and you know this. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, do you all know this verse? Now catch it. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now meditate on that just a moment. Just chew on that just a moment. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your house. That's interesting, isn't it? Chew on that just a moment. Verse 32, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. You get the idea, don't you, that when God saved the Philippian jailer, he had his family in mind. You get the idea, don't you, that God has a plan for you and your family. Do you all believe that? Do you all believe that's true? How many of you all know Joshua 24? Joshua's an old man in chapter 24 of the book of Joshua. He's an old man, but he's not allowed his older years to be his colder years. He's still on fire for God. And Joshua's an old man, gets everybody together, draws them all together, and has a conversation with them about their fathers. And he says things like this, you know, our fathers didn't always do what's right, but we decided to do what's right anyway. And that's worth your meditating on. Our fathers didn't always do what's right, but we decided to do what's right anyway. And God blessed us because we did. We didn't always do everything we should, but we tried to pursue God. And then he threw down a challenge to the people in the ending verses of chapter 24. You know the challenge, don't you? He says, now look, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my, say it with me, as for me and my 
house we will serve the Lord. Do you all know that term house? That's a... Uh, that's an old English term, means family. The house is the old English way of saying the family. As for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's an old English term. It's also a southern term. Any southerners in the room? That's a southern term. Uh, southerners use that. My, my, daddy, my daddy would say, well, I guess we ought to go to the house. And I guess we ought to go to the house. You, you know that term, don't you? And that's a pra- phraseology they used where I grew up. Well, we're going to go to the house. Our pastor, when we first moved to Florida, we no longer go to that church, but when we were there at that time, he would often preach, and he'd be preaching up a storm, and sometimes in, the, in his sermon, he'd say, now I'm going to give you one more point, and then I'm going to the house. And he'd say, oh, I'm going to give you one more point, and then I'm going to the house. Now, you know the term house doesn't just refer to the building you live in where you go to sleep and cook your breakfast, and that the word house refers to your family. And I want to draw your attention to that today because here's what I want you to see. This biblical term reminds us that God is interested in not just me and you, but also in our family. And let's chew on that just a little bit. How many of y'all know this very definitely? Did you know, did you know without any reservation that God's plan is to save you? Did you know that? God's plan is to save you. Now write that down in your heart and believe that with all of your heart. If you're listening by Facebook or on live stream, you need to know this. God's plan is to save you from sin and hell and the judgment of God and to give you everlasting life. I love Acts 16 because it's all about the gospel. Lydia gets saved here. How did she get saved? Because they took the word of God and taught her how to be saved and she got saved. And this little lady here, we believe she got saved because they lost their money from her. And we don't understand the whole story because the Bible just gives us a glimpse of it. But we know God was at work in that little girl's heart. I want to believe that she got saved. Is that fair? It's a little uncertain in the text, but I believe she did. And we know the Philippian jailer got saved and praise God, it appears his whole family did. Now, I want you to know this. God starts with you. God's plan is for you to get saved. You, You do believe that, don't you? Uh, salvation is personal. Let's outline it like this, all right? Salvation is personal. Nobody can get saved for you but you. How many of y'all believe that? You get teenagers, your mom and dad may be a Christian. That doesn't guarantee you are. You don't get saved by your parents baptizing you. That's not how it works. You don't get saved because your parents drag you to church and, and uh, make you memorize verses. No, salvation is always personal. One author said that Christianity is a thinking man's religion. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant by that was that salvation is personal. You've got to think your way into salvation. Now, don't, don't let that mislead you, but salvation's a matter of the heart. It's not something you're born into because your mom and dad were believers. It's not something you get, get religiously brought into. It's not, I got baptized, so I'm a believer. No. Uh, one guy said to me one day, he said, I think I'm saved. Why do you think you're saved? He said, because I'm in a church one morning. And this pastor stood in front of the communion table. He said, if you want to know you're going to heaven, come down here and shake my hand. And he said, I went down that aisle and I shook his hand and he hugged my neck and he said, praise God, now you're saved. Well, you know that's not salvation, don't you? It's not shaking somebody's hand. It's something that's got to happen personally in your life. And so the Bible tells us that salvation is not just personal, it's the gospel. You got to know the gospel and think the gospel through if you're going to be saved. How many of y'all believe that, do you? You've got to know the gospel. So the gospel, salvation is personal, but notice, secondly, salvation is the gospel. Now, what is the gospel, church family? The gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Have you ever heard somebody say this? The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you ever heard that before, have you? It's not wrong. It's just not entirely complete. 
Because what the passage says is that the gospel is Christ died for our sins. Watch this now. According to the scripture. And it says he was buried and he rose again the third day. Watch this now. According to the scriptures. How do I know there's a God? Well, there's a lot of ways you can know there's a God. You can think it through. Go outside on a dark night and look up and find Orion's belt and find the Big Dipper. And from the Big Dipper, find the North Star and look up there and see if you can find Cassiopeia. And look over there and you'll find all those. If you, if you know much about the night sky, it's been that way. It's in order. The, the, the Big Dipper always points to the North Star. It's designed. It's in order. It says to you every time you see the stars, hey, I just want you to know God says, I'm up here. I just want you all to know that. I'm real. I just want you all to know that I'm real. God just wants you to know that. You, you can experience that just by experiencing God's creation. How many of y'all know that to be true? You can experience God just by your conscience. I always thought it's been kind of humorous to me that if you have an atheist and an atheist smashes his thumb with a hammer, he always invokes the name of God, the one he, doesn't cl he claims doesn't exist. And what is that? What makes a man smash his finger? And, and I don't mean this to be mean. He doesn't say Buddha. He, he doesn't even say Allah. When a man smashes his finger, what does he say? He, if, if he's going to say anything and he's going he's to react to that, often he'll invoke the name of God when that happens. Why? Because there's something in our conscience that says there's got to be a God out here somewhere. You, you, you can know about God because of creation, can't you? Just drive over to the Grand Canyon, stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and look. Just stand there and marvel. Just let your heart be overwhelmed. And there it is, a mile across, and, and, or rather 11 miles across, and it's a mile deep, and it's, it's breathtaking, it's awe-inspiring, and you stand there like my boy did when I first took him to the Grand Canyon. He stood on the edge, he looked out, and he said, whoa. Why? Because there's, there's something about awe there. There's a God out there. We, something tells us that. But how do I know about the gospel? It's not that I just make it up because I look out, there's got to be a God out there, and i just going to, you know, just make it up. No, it's not even religious. How many of y'all know religion's a dime a dozen? How many of y'all know that? One church says, this is how you get to heaven. The next church says, no, this is how you get to heaven. And the next religion says, no, this is how you get to heaven. The next religion says, no, this is how you do it. And how many, you knock on 10 doors. Where am I? What, what town are we in? Lakeside Park. I, I knew I was somewhere. Um, I just didn't know where. If you knocked on 10 doors in Lakeside Park and said, how do you get to heaven from Lakeside Park? You'd probably get about 12 different answers, wouldn't you? But the Bible wants you to know there's only one answer. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The gospel is about the fact that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. Here's what the Bible says. You're a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't save yourself. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. Nobody's on their way to heaven on their own. You're a sinner. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that because you're a sinner, you can't rescue yourself from sin. You can't get yourself out of sin. You can't get yourself out of eternity separated from God. But what the Bible wants you to know is a Savior named Jesus came into this world, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. The only one that ever lived on this earth without sin was none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he came a sinless person and died for our sins. He took our place. Now what that means is because he died for your sins, if you come to him, you can be forgiven. If you come to Jesus Christ, he can take away your sins. He's the one that can wash away your sins. We sing it, don't we? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. The Bible says so. 
And then the Bible says he was buried. He really died. And the Bible says three days later rose from the dead. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that based on the word of God, Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day? The resurrection is the crux of the matter because the resurrection proves that Jesus Christ was more than a man, doesn't it? In fact, it proves that he is deity. Nobody else can raise themselves from the dead, but Jesus did. There's deity. He's, he's God. And number three, he has authority over death and hell and the grave. And number four, when he offers us eternal life, it's a valid offer. The resurrection says so. So you've got to know that. The gospel says you've got to think it through. You've got to know you're a sinner. You've got to know you can't save yourself. And you've got to understand that the God of heaven sent his son Jesus, literally deity, came into this world, and deity went to a cross and died for your sins. You've got to think that through. And you got, you, got, you got to know that, that this Savior died for your sins, was buried, and rose again from the dead, according to the Bible. That's what the gospel's all about. It's personal. Y'all follow this or not? It's personal, but it's the gospel. And it's that you need a Savior. You can't save yourself. You can't get yourself to heaven. You can't take away your sins. It's personal. And, and Jesus paid it all. You don't go to heaven because you, you know, cry and feel better. No, you got to know I'm a sinner, and Jesus is the Savior. And, and, and it's, it's the heart. Have you read that in your Bible? The Bible says, for with the heart man believes. You've read that, haven't you? The word heart is your thinking, your emotions, and your decision wrapped up in one package. So it starts with your thinking. Do you know you're a sinner? Surely you know that. Do you know you're a sinner? Surely you know that. The Bible says you were born that way. If you don't believe folks are born sinners, have a few kids. Come on, say amen right there. Is that right? So we're all sinners. We all know that. You all know that. We're all sinners. None of us can get to heaven on our own. We're all sinners. Know that. And then take the facts. Jesus died for your sins according to the word of God. And he was buried according to the Bible. And he rose again from the dead according to the Bible. And now he offers you eternal life. That's the facts. Know that. Start with the facts and then feel it. Because the heart is emotions. Well, there's not a thing wrong with you feeling it. You ever stop long enough to think about God and let it get down into your feelings? You ever stop long enough to think, I'm a sinner and, man, I can't get to heaven on my own. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I'm in trouble with God. And what am I going to do when I meet God? That's worth your feelings. We call that, in our Bible terminology, in our, in our churches, we call that the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When what's in your thinking spills over into your emotions, it's turned into your thoughts becoming conviction, and God begins working in your life through what you know and what you feel, because God's plan is that you get to Jesus Christ. So salvation is personal, salvation is the gospel, and number three, salvation is Jesus Christ. It's not me. It's not you. It's not the Baptist church. It's Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question this morning in this Sunday morning service. Have you been saved through Jesus Christ? He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody goes to the Father except by him. Have you been saved through Jesus Christ? Jesus said he's the door. By me, he said, if any man enters in, he said, you'll be saved. You've got to come through the door, and I'm the door. Have you been saved through Jesus Christ? I was 15 years old when I got saved. I was a public school kid. Brother Arwood, lay preacher in our town, started witnessing to me, told me about Jesus, reasoned with me about Jesus, made me think it through, wouldn't take no for an answer, kept coming, kept coming, kept knocking, kept giving me tracks. I mean, wouldn't take no for an answer. He worked up one side and down the other on a young teenage boy named Dave Young. Finally took me to church with him on a Sunday night, and I went, and I didn't like it, but I went. And I sat on the back row. Not that it's wrong to sit on the back row, but I sat back there because I didn't want to be closer to the preacher than I had to be. 
So I was on the back row probably for the wrong reason. And this preacher preached that night, Pastor, and kept pointing at me. And he'd say, you know, you need to get saved. And he'd point my direction. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and rose from the dead for your sins so you could be saved. He'd look over here. He'd say, you need to be saved. <laughs> and just kept pointing at me. That's the night I got saved after that service. I didn't get saved in that service, but on the way home, I got saved. My sweetheart was four when she got saved. You okay with that? Her daddy's a pastor. She knew the gospel before she was born because he sang it all the time, preached it all the time, and talked about it everywhere he went. The man was a gospel preacher and a soul winner. Everywhere I went with that man, we could be going on a hunting trip, and he'd talk to people about Jesus. We might be just stepping out to a ball game, he'd talk about Jesus. We're stopping to get a Mountain Dew at a service station, he'd talk about Jesus. That's just how he did. So Bethany, she knew the gospel. She was four years old. She got saved. She has a lousy testimony. <laughs> I mean, how do you testify about that? I was four when I got saved. I'd tried everything. Been around the block twice on my tricycle. That's, that's, a, that's a rough testimony, isn't it? But it takes as much of the grace of God to save a four-year-old as it did to save a 15-year-old. Is that right? And my daddy got saved when he was in his uh, 20s. He got saved in a revival meeting on a Monday night, heard the gospel, and he interrupted the service. My daddy interrupted the service. Preachers preaching about getting saved. My dad stood up and said, excuse me, can I get saved right now? Excuse me, can I get saved right now? And the preacher said, no. We'll have an invitation. I mean, he didn't say that. I just made that up. Can I get saved? right? Yes, he said. Come on. My dad came to Elton and got saved through Jesus Christ. See, God's plan is starting with you. You got to be saved. You got to be saved. That's God's plan. All right, I got to watch my time here. You got to be saved. That's God's plan. It starts with you. You got to be. Have you been saved through Jesus Christ? Why don't you take him if you haven't been saved? Why don't you turn to him? I'll tell you this. He's a wonderful savior. He's the God of heaven. He's the God of the universe. He really did die for your sins. And if you'll turn to him, he'll take your sins away. And he really did rise from the dead. If you'll turn to him, he'll give you everlasting life. That's what Jesus can do for you. Salvation is personal. How many of y'all agree with that? And it's, it's the gospel. How many of y'all agree with that? And it's in Jesus Christ. How many of y'all believe that? So what we start here is God's plan is to save you. Now, there's a second thing I've got to show you this morning. Number one, God's plan is to save you. I hope you got that. Number two, number two, God's plan is to save your family. God's plan is to save you, but God's plan is to save your family. Now, I want you to chew on that because all of us ought to know about our family and ought to desire that every person in our family comes to know Jesus Christ. That ought to be our heart. God is interested in our house, our family. Do you see that in the text? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And in thy house. Now, I, I just, let's, let's just for a sake of time put the whole thing up on the screen. Now, look at this just a moment. Next screen there. Let me see it, brothers. And, and now watch this right here. Now, now think about Acts 1631. Look at the screen and I'll read it. I'll read the verse. You look at the screen. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. How many of y'all agree that's a simple statement? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Can you make it any more simple than that? I was in a church one Sunday morning and I preached the gospel, Pastor. And I preached it. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not your works, not your goodness, it's Jesus. He does it all. All to Jesus I owe. All to Jesus paid it all. All to him. I just preach, you got to believe on Jesus. You can't save yourself, but he can. He can save you. Believe on Jesus. And I remember the pastor got up afterwards and kind of caught me off guard in what he said. 
He got up and he said, well, you know, church, I guess it really is that simple, isn't it? And I thought it was kind of funny how he said that. Well, I, I guess it is that simple, isn't it? Because sometimes when you've been saved, how many of y'all have been saved a long time? Anybody here like that? You notice when you first got saved, when you first got saved, you marveled at how simple it was, didn't you? Let's be honest this morning. Nobody here but us. When you first got saved, you were like, oh, my goodness, I was a sinner, and I just met Jesus, and praise God, he took away my sins. Woo, I'm on my way to heaven. Remember that? Do y'all remember that or not? Y'all remember that? When you just didn't know any better and just to be like, wow, I'm saved. I'm telling you, my sins are washed away, and I'm going to heaven. You just marveled at how simple it was. But now you've been saved a while, and there's a danger when you've been saved a while. Be honest with me, isn't there? Because after you've been saved a while, don't you love to get theologically technical? Come on, be honest about that. Aren't we all that way? Now, we, we sparse the words, and, and you know, and if you, we, we, well, if you don't believe this word or think that word or take my position, you know, perfect theological position, then I'm going to be a little suspect of your salvation. Well, shame on us. Let's keep it simple, and let's not get over that. I don't mind theology. I study it. I, I'd be happy to sit down with you and discuss theology. I, got, I, I, have, I have four preachers in my family. My son-in-law's a preacher. My son's a preacher. My next son's a preacher, and my next son's a preacher. And they all think they know what they, they, they all think they know it all. They just, that's how they are. That's how we are, aren't we? We all know it. I know, I know what I believe. But you believe my kids have the audacity. Now we have theological discussion. They say, you're just a boomer. Yeah, I'll give you boom. That's what I'll do. <laughs> you won't boom. I can give you some boom. But uh, we're, I'm, we're fine. We're joking. But we can have big theological discussions. But you know, you can sit around table after you've been saved for a while and have all the theological discussions in the world and miss the fact that nobody goes to heaven until they've believed on Jesus Christ. And it's that simple. Keep it simple. Aren't you glad that's a simple statement? But it's an awesome statement, isn't it? Because it says, in your house. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad the day you got saved, God's plan was not just to save you? The reason God saved you is because you got a family. God wants you to get saved so he can go to work on your family through you and your family can get saved. And you teenagers, you, I don't know if I hope all of you are saved, and you know you got saved, and you know one of the reasons God saved you is because chances are someday, someday, teenagers, you're going to meet somebody and fall in love and you're going to get married. And probably if you meet somebody and fall in love and get married, chances are you're going to have 9 or 10 or 12 or 13 kids. And uh, when you do, when you do, if you do, God's plan is he saved you so your kids will get saved. That's why he saved you. And someday you're going to get old and, and uh, you're going to be like Brother Miller and your hair's going to get thin and, and uh, you're going to get old. You're gonna, it's going to happen. And you know what? You're going to have grandkids someday. You know why God saved you, teenagers? Because he's concerned about your family. And you moms and dads, you got saved. You adults in the room, you got saved. You got a brother that's not saved. Why'd God save you? Because he's concerned about your brother. Why'd God save you? Because he's concerned about your sister. And every time God saves one of us, he's concerned about others. He saves us. And he could just take us to heaven right away, couldn't he? Just say, all right, praise God, there's my child, come on up here. And he leaves us here. Why does he leave us here? Well, there's many reasons, but one of them is because there's people that need to be saved, and God's plan, God's plan is for you to win others to Christ. And shouldn't that at least start with our family? You've got a brother that's unsaved? Then God's concerned about your family. Your mommy, your daddy, God's concerned about your family. I was, I was soul winning and praying with people in a town in Missouri some years ago. And it was not a real profitable afternoon, meaning that I didn't find many people at home. I had a whole bunch of cards. And the pastor would give me all these cards and say, if you want to visit people, these are folks that have either been visited by the church or someone's asked us to visit them. So I was just finding, you know, putting in my GPS and going to a place and knocking and 
I talked to a couple of people, but not real interest, and nobody was home much. And so I, I what am I going to do? I'm about done, and I pull up to a stop sign. When I get to the stop sign, I'd never been to this town, you know, much, and didn't know much about this section of town. I get to this stop sign, cross the street, I saw this young man, this young lady walking down the sidewalk. Now, I'm not being weird about this, but I'm telling you exactly what happened. I stopped at the stop sign and saw that young man in the Spirit of God, and, and I'm serious as I'm not to be, this, this is just exactly what happened. The Spirit of God spoke to me with no doubt about it and said, that young man, you need to talk to him. I need you to talk to that young man. So I, I said, all right, Lord. I said to my, my friend that was with me, I said, I got to go talk to that guy. I feel like the Lord wants me to. So I drove across that little street there and pulled over on the side of the road, left the car running. I opened the door, had one foot in, one foot out, leaning over the door. I said, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Yes, sir, he said. Turn around. I um, looked at this man. He's tall. He's got several piercings. He's pretty heavily tatted. And uh, probably 19, I think he was 19, if I remember correctly. I had a young lady with him. So, excuse me, young man. Turns around, and I said, hey. I said, I just had the strangest experience. I was just at the stop site there, a stop sign, and I looked across the street, and I saw you walking down the street, and I felt like God himself said to me that I had to come over here and talk to you about him. <laughs> the young man said, are you for real? <laughs> I said, I sure am. And I said, I really did feel like God told me to do that. He said, well, you're not going to believe this. And then he started telling me a story about his mom and dad and their divorce when he was a little boy. Mom got full custody. Dad had none. Moved with his mom into a drug house. Was raised in a drug house. And in his words, mom had 15 different boyfriends when I was growing up. And there was always drugs in our house and somebody high as all get out. In fact, his words to describe his youth, which he said to me probably 15, 20, 25 times in his testimony as he's talking to me, he said, my life has been a living, and he used the word hell. He said that phrase several times, multiple times. He said, I'm 19 now. My life has been, and he used that statement again. And I decided to start fresh. I looked up my daddy and moved down here to be with my daddy. And he said, it's just as bad down here. He's on drugs. And he said that phrase again about his life. And he said, the other night, I went for a walk. It was dark. It was late. I don't know what to do with my life. Don't know where to turn. He pointed over my shoulder and said, see that little church over yonder? I turned and looked, and off in the distance was a little concrete church building, smaller than your church platform. But it did have a steeple, and you could see the cross on the top of the steeple. See that, he said? Yes, sir, I did. He, he said, I went over the other night and stood in their parking lot in the middle of the night. And this is his exact words. For the first time in my life, I prayed. The other night, I stood in that parking lot in the middle of the night, and I prayed. First time in my life, I prayed. And he said, and he said, I told God, God, I don't know if you're out there or not. If you are out there, I'm not sure you care about us or not. But he said, if you do, God, if you do, if you're out there and you care about us, he said, would you send somebody this week to let me know? And here's what he said to me. You think you're the one? I said, no, I know I'm the one. Because I believe with all of my heart, God wants to save sinners. 
And if you're looking for God, you'll find him. I had the privilege on the side of the road leading that young man to Christ. He got saved. The girl made fun of him, but he got saved. Came to our revival service. The next night, you know what he did? Next night, he brought his daddy. You know what happened the final night of our meeting? That young man came down the aisle, but not by himself. He came down the aisle with his daddy, and we led his daddy to Christ. See, here's what God's turned about. God's plan is for you to get saved, and God's plan is for your family to get saved. How many of y'all have children still at home? Are you winning them to Christ? Go to work on them. If you've got a little one not yet saved, don't, don't get weird about it. Sometimes in our generation, we make things so difficult and so awkward and so such a big deal that we, we confuse our kids about the gospel. They're a sinner, and they need a Savior, and the Savior's already died for their sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. Give them the gospel and expect God to save them. He wants to save your children. And if they want to get saved, celebrate it. And if you don't know how to do it, bring them to pastor and say, my little one here wants to get saved. Will you lead him to Christ? I had a little family did that in the church in Tennessee. They said, hey, our daughter, after you preached on this Wednesday night service, and, and they said, she says she wants to get saved, and we kind of put her off because she's only six. But she's, she, she will not leave. She said, I can't leave. I got to get saved. Brother Young said so. I got to get saved. Mom and daddy, I need to get. They said, we don't know what to do. Can you help her? So I knelt with her in the front pew, Pastor. And I just opened my Bible and showed her the gospel. She's six years old. And I gave her the gospel. And then I said to her, uh, you understand you're a sinner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you believe Jesus died for your sins? Yeah. Do you want to be saved? Yes, yes, yes. And she's almost in tears. I want to do it now. So I said, you want to pray? She said, I do. And I went, you know, I was going to lead her in prayer. She started praying. Oh, Jesus, she said, you know I'm a sinner. And then she started naming them. I'm serious. Jesus, she said, you know I'm a sinner. You know that I lied to mommy this week about such and such. And I peeked at her mom, and her mom's eyes were about that big. She just started naming them. Lord, you know I'm a sinner. And this is then. And then he just laid it all out there. And she said, I know I need to be saved. And Jesus, Brother Young, said, you'd save me if I asked. So I want you to save me. She got saved. See, God's plan is to save your children. Believe that. You got a son that's an adult and he's not saved. Don't let the devil beat you to death about that. By faith, call on God to save your adult son or your adult. Your grandkids, maybe your children aren't well and they're not taking your grandkids to church. You get on your knees and you cry out to the God of heaven that he'll save your grandchildren. And go to work on them. Go to work on them. So I, don't know, I don't know how to win my adult son to Christ. Go to work on him. Invite him over for a meal. Tell him you want to talk about your will. I'm promising you, they'll show up. And tell them it is your will that they get saved through Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Young, that's silly. I know, I know. It is a little silly. But do something to win your kids to Christ. Don't settle for anything less than all your kids saved and all your grandkids saved. Don't settle for anything less, Lord. I want you to save my mom, my dad, my grandfather, my grandmother. My grandpa wasn't saved. I went to work on him. I didn't know him until he was in his 70s, the first time I ever met him. It took us almost 20 years to win him to Jesus, and I almost thought he was never going to get saved. He was 92 when he came to faith. We kind of gave up on him. Actually, was rude about it, but I kept working on him, praying, and one day, a friend of mine visited him, and he said, you know that saved thing everybody keeps talking to me about? He said, when I go to bed, I think about it now. When I go to sleep, I dream about it. 
And he said, I think I probably ought to get that settled. Can you help me? And they led him to Christ. He lived four more years. I used to joke and say, we were trying to get him saved so he'd go to heaven. Then he wouldn't go. <laughs> and then he finally passed away last year. And here, here's, here's the whole point. This is, this is not automatic. It's an understatement. He says it almost like it's automatic, doesn't he? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. But don't rush through that. It's a simple statement because anybody who will believe will be saved. Turn to Jesus, trust him, call on him. It's an awesome statement because it does include your house. If that's not an awesome statement, you tell me what is. But it's an understatement because it's not automatic. What am I saying to you this morning, this church service? Here's God's plan for you and your family. Number one, he wants to save you. Number two, he wants to save your family. And number three, his plan is that you and your family would serve him. That's why I added Joshua 24. He says, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, then don't serve him. I'm paraphrasing. Joshua says to the nation of Israel, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, don't serve him. Teens, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that to all you kids here today. If it's a bad thing to serve God, don't do it. Don't do it. It's better to live for the world and get what they can give you than Joshua says, and you ought to live that way. And the reason Joshua can say that is if you choose the world, you'll get exactly what they give you. The world will promise you peace, but can only give you turmoil. The world, the flesh, and the devil promises us pleasure, but can only leave us with pain. And the list goes on and on. That's the world. But there's a God in heaven that loves us and invites us if we'll serve him, things will be well in our life. Not perfect. Doesn't exempt us from the fact that we live in a sin-cursed world. Doesn't exempt us from the fact that we have to deal with issues, cancer and diseases and, and, and wrong decisions. We're not exempt. We're not exempt from the problems of a sin-cursed world. But the promise of God is that if you serve him, it brings his blessings and favor into your life in such a way that he walks with you in a sin-cursed world. He, he walks with you through the problems of your life. He's close to you in the turmoils and the tragedies and the difficulties of your life. That's our God. It's always worth it to serve the Lord. And God is saying to us, look, God's plan is that you serve the Lord, but his plan is that your family serve with you. And let's go to work on that. I'm done. I'm done. I know we got to go. But God's plan is that you work on that. So how you doing? Are you, are, you, are you serving the Lord as a family? I know y'all are in church, so I don't want to go overboard, but do you believe that God wants your family to serve him? Then get at it. Have family devotions. Train your children and talk with them and correct their errors and point them on the right path. Why? Because God's plan is you serve the Lord with your children. You got to get at it, church. You got to raise up the standard and pray at home and have family devotions and teach your kids the Bible. You got to correct them when they're wrong. Why? So they will serve the Lord. You got to be in church. Surely that's not an option if you're a believer, is it? It shouldn't be. Listen, if you're on your way to heaven, don't let church be an option. You got children, get them into church, get them into church. Get them into church. Bring your Bible with you. Bring your Bible with you. Open your Bible. Take notes. Uh, nod your head. And, and, and if you struggle to stay awake, then go to bed earlier on Saturday night if you can. And, and, and get a, an extra large cup of coffee before you come to church. And, and work at it. Let's serve the Lord. And sing when the choir sings. And sing when we're singing hymns together. Why? Because we serve the Lord. 
serve the Lord together. Daddy, don't be a man that stands silently by while the rest of the family is serving the Lord. You sing, you pray, you read your Bible. Let's serve the Lord. Why? Because this is God's plan for us. And, and God's plan is that as I serve the Lord, it ought to spill over into my family so that my children will grow up to serve the Lord. Now, somebody sits in the service and says, now, hold on, Brother Young. That's, that's nice and good. But I tried to raise my kids in church, and they're not serving the Lord. Then I'm going to just say to you, my dear friend, this morning, don't you give up. Can you pray? Can you pray? How many of y'all know this? If you're praying, God is working, which is why the devil wants you to get discouraged and give up. Because when you get discouraged and you give up and you get defeated, the fact of the matter is, then you'll stop praying. And when you stop praying, it, it limits what God can do in the lives of your adult children. Is our God real or not? Are you disappointed in your son or daughter? Well, perhaps. But don't let the devil beat you up about that. There's a God in heaven bigger than all the problems of our lives. So call on God about it. You wake up in the night, burdened about it, call on God right there. Just call on God, because if you're praying, God is working. Believe that. And I was trying to win my grandpa to Jesus. I got to the point where I thought he's never going to get saved. He's 80 now, and he can't hear, and he can't see, and he hates God, and he's bitter, and he's upset. Now he's 90. He's never going to get saved, Lord. You got to, it's going to take a miracle. God, I don't think he's ever going to get saved. But we kept praying. Bethany will tell you, and I'm not making this up. I don't know how many times in our family devotions, one of my children would say, let's pray for great-grandpa Trenum. Tonight in our family devotions, let's pray for great-grandpa. What do we want to pray for tonight? Let's pray for great-grandpa Trenum. Oh, Lord, it's going to take a miracle, Lord. He doesn't like preachers. and He likes me as his grandson, but doesn't like me as a preacher. Lord, you got to say, I can't do it, Lord. I've tried. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Do you suppose it was an accident that in his 90s, he goes to bed at night and can't think about anything except getting saved? And he, I don't know how to take this when I'm Baptist, but he goes to sleep and dreams about it. I don't know how to take that. I don't want to go too far with that, but that's what he said. I'm just quoting what he said. Do you, think, you suppose God could even put it in his dreams? I suppose he could. God can do anything, can he? The man God saved. God, you can't stop praying. Your son, daughter, say, but not serving the Lord. Don't stop. Can you talk? Talk to them. Don't close the door. Don't let your disappointments ruin the relationship. Keep the door open. Keep talking. Keep texting. Keep loving. Make their favorite dessert. Buy presents at Christmas. Celebrate their birthday. Why? Because we're keeping the door open. That's my son. That's my daughter. Keep the door open. Talk and pray. Invest. Keep asking. Keep talking. Keep believing. Don't stop believing. There's a God in heaven well able. He will never force your son or your daughter to do anything, but he's well able to put his fingerprints all over their life. So believe that. Don't leave discouraged today because I said your family ought to serve the Lord. Leave with faith saying, Lord, they're not serving you yet, but I'm not taking no for an answer, and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to take them out to lunch this week and sit down across the table and say, how you doing? How can I pray for you? I care about you, and I love you, and you know I'm your daddy, and I'm your mom. If I can do anything for you, I'd give my life for you. Say, I'm praying for you. I love you. Don't close that door. Why? Because here's God's plan. God's plan is to save you so that God can save your family, so that you and your family can serve the Lord. Isn't that our goal? Isn't that our desire? Isn't that our plan? Number one, let's just start with the top sentence there. Are you saved? Why, if you're not, I don't know how y'all normally do it in a church service here, 
But if you're not saved, we have an invitation. We'll have an, an invitation a time for prayer. We close our services with a time for prayer. So before we go to lunch today, we're going to pause for prayer. And you can pray about anything. If you've got a burden in your heart, don't leave till you prayed about it. If something's weighing heavily on you, don't quit till you prayed about it. If you've got a spiritual need, you need to pray about it. But if you need to be saved, here's a great time to be saved. It's an invitation. It's a time for prayer. Pastor's here. I'm here. My sweetheart's here. Pastor's right. We'd be happy, any of us, to take a Bible and just sit down. If you need explanation, we'll explain it more. If you need privacy, we'll go out with you privately. If we can sit on the front row, we'll sit on the front row. We want you to get saved. We, we want you to get saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll save you. But you, it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to decide to turn to Christ. And I hope you will. Number two, take the second line. Is your family saved? Are you really crying out to God for your sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters that they'll be saved? Could you pick it up a little bit and go to work on them so they'll get saved? You got an aunt or uncle, mom or dad, brother or sister that needs to be saved? Let's go to work. We can pray, but let's maybe schedule something. Let's, let's pray about number two there. God's plan is to save my family. He said that in the text. And God's plan is that your kids serve the Lord with you. So it might be that we ought to get on our knees today, somebody, and say, Lord, I haven't been serving you the way I should. You got to help me. He will. You might need to kneel and say, Lord, I'm so discouraged about my son or my daughter. Help me not to be discouraged to the point that, I, Lord, I can't help being discouraged. I love my son. He's not what I want him to be, or my daughter, my grandson, or my granddaughter. But, Lord, I don't want my discouragement to cripple me. I want to see you work in their heart, and I'm going to start taking steps of faith and praying more and, and doing more by your grace and help to try to get them on the right path. Help me, Lord. That's what an invitation's for. So how have I done today? Have I made sense? Aren't you thankful for the family? Aren't you thankful for the gospel? Aren't you thankful for Jesus Christ? Let's stand for prayer, shall we? Everybody stand with me, would you please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Everybody standing, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just between you and God, how many of y'all know for sure you're saved? Raise your hand through, uh, if, if you know for sure Jesus is your God and your Savior. Raise your hand good and high, would you? Now, out of you that just raised your hand, take your hand down, but I want to talk to you just a moment. You just raised your hand. How many of you would say, Dave, there's a family member, son, daughter, mom, dad, brother, sister. There's a family member that's not saved, and I'm real burdened for them, and I need to pick it up and pray more and work harder. Would you pray for me about a family member? Lift your hand up, but that's you today. God bless you. And how many of you then would say, Dave, the, the, the fact of the matter is I know I'm saved. But I'm not serving the Lord the way that I should. Now, I want you to pray for me this morning. You don't know my name, and, 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 and no, but I'm concerned about this because I know I need to serve the Lord, and I need to pick it up. Pray for me. I need to really serve the Lord in a greater way. Pray for me. Lift your hand if that's you. May the Lord bless you. How many of y'all say, now, Dave, it's my family that I, I want to see serve the Lord, and so pray for me about my family. Raise your hand if that's you. I want to pray about my family. And many of us have raised our hands this morning. One more question. Is there anybody in this great auditorium today who would say, Dave, I'm the one who needs to be saved. I'm not on my way to heaven. I don't know Jesus, but I've heard the gospel. I believe Jesus died for my sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And today I need to be saved through him and I want to be. Would you pray for me? I need to be saved and today I want to be. I'm willing to get saved today through Jesus Christ. Saved from my sins, I'm willing pray for me. Anybody that way at all, pastor's helping me because we don't want to miss anybody. 
Anybody in this morning service who wants to be saved and needs to be, let me see your hand. Anybody at all? Now, Heavenly Father, I see no hand, but you know every heart. So now help us as we go to prayer. As we go to prayer, help us. She's going to hit our first note. Just let her play for a moment. 